I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm on my period. I'm on my period. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, (laughs) the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th anniversary edition. This podcast is a safe period for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching The Maltese Falcon. I don't know anything about women. Number 31 on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this avian film. Kakaa! (laughs) That applies to so many movies, somehow. (laughs) Kakaa! Birds of Prey are going to become the next horse of this podcast. I can feel it in the air. Season two, baby. Of course, I am Sienna Jekyll. Oh my god, I'm Liana Holston. And we're both on our periods. We're on our periods. (laughs) Yeah! Liana, did you watch this movie? Honestly, I fell asleep during it. Okay, honestly, I was kind of like, <laughs> like, this is our segment. Honestly, my what? eyes glazed over. Yeah. Um, this film kind of sucked. It wasn't a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, objectively, it wasn't okay, very okay, good. Okay, 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 okay. Let's hear what we thought. The Maltese Falcon, as they say, would be about. Okay. Let's do uh, yours first. All right, Sammy, here's my prediction for the Maltese Falcon. Caca! <laughs> Classic. Morning. <laughs> I'm about to watch 
the Maltese Falcon. I know absolutely nothing about this film. And so my hope is that it's an animated picture about a gorgeous little bird who is traveling on a hot girl summer through Malta. Love you. Bye. I love you too. We have to play mine immediately. Oh my God. Hi, Liana. This is Sienna. I'm about to watch the film The Maltese Falcon. Somehow, I have gleaned, just from living life, that this film is a noir. Another one. Based on the name, I can only assume that this is a film about a bird who orders a malted milkshake oh. from a soda fountain. So I'm praying fountain. that that's what it is and that it's animated. <laughs> but it's probably more likely a film about a man... And there's going to be a femme fatale and some guns. And he'll stand in a pool of lamplight in the street. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what that image is from. Okay, I'll see you on the other side. I love you. Goodbye. <gasps> okay, we both hoped it would be an animated film about a bird. <laughs> so I did know it was going to be noir. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to be Bogart, though I should have assumed. More like Bogus. Uh. But this movie was worse than Casablanca. Yeah, which, if you've heard my review of that film, is saying a lot. All right, listeners, I'm going to give you a little <laughs> summary first of this film, just to give you a little... Just to make you understand before yeah. we start talking about it. And I, just for the listener's ear, I'm going to do a little sound transition in between each segment so that you know we're sort of moving on to the next thing. Mm. So now it's time for the summary. Kaka! <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. It makes it easier in, in post. Mm-hmm. It's already done. Okay, <clears throat> a summary of the Maltese Falcon. Mm. Several characters... <laughs> 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 search search for a legendary item called the Maltese Falcon. The end. Yeah. The Maltese Falcon, it's like some sort of valuable blackbird statue that's like from Spain or something, but they're all looking for it. Bogey is in it. He is a private eye who is hired to t- sort of tangentially follow someone and he ends up kind of on this case on accident. There's a lady... <laughs> Who he apparently is in love with that I found out right at the end. I just want the listener to know, Sienna looks haggard right now. (laughs) Like, this isn't one of those summaries. It's not worth saying each thing that happens. Because the whole movie is them saying, like, what happened? And then Bogey's like, this happened. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, some other key characters, because there are some characters. Mr. Yardley, who you may remember. I thought that was him. Yep. Because he kept making that sound that was just like, Spade. Yeah, what a so, Christmas. Yeah. What a Christmas. <laughs> the man who we also saw uh, working with Bogey in Casablanca. Casablanca. Mm. <laughs> We're developing like a whole sonic alphabet <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah. His name doesn't matter. It's like Gutman or something. I think so. Bogey plays Sam Spade, by the way. And then the guy, Igor of Frankenstein, the Peter Lorre is his name, the guy who talks in the Igor voice. Is he Cairo? Yeah. Okay. He plays Cairo. The small man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like a famous character actor, I guess. Since Seems he's like it. The voice of Igor and weird. Mm-hmm. And then there's so small. the woman character, Bridget O'Shaughnessy. Yes. <laughs> Played by Mary Astor. Okay. 
I looked her up because she wasn't very good. As a person? <laughs> or an actress? An actress. Anyway. The only other characters are the assistant. <laughs> the horny assistant. <laughs> okay. I was in the film. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the horny Trina assistant epi and then like, you, wilmer <laughs> yeah the guy who takes a nap yeah yeah the guy the guy the extra the guy. boy they keep yeah. calling him the boy what boy there's a boy where this movie is dumb it's like <laughs> what's to be said so much people search and uh they never find it <sighs> at the end mr yardley's like we have to keep searching for another 17 years <laughs> all right the end what a Christmas. Well, speaking of they never find it, are you ready for the historical context behind the Maltese Falcon? I am so ready. Hello and welcome. Kaka! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. To the historical context segment on the film The Maltese Falcon, a 1941 film by men. This film is based off a book, surprise, oh. also called The Maltese Falcon, which was a 1930 book by Dashiell Hammett. This movie had to remove all of the book references to sex and heavy drinking because of the Hayes Code. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I've always thought that film noirs, films noir, <laughs> if you will, felt like a little bit like harmless in a way. And I think it's because of the Hayes Code because they never, like nobody ever actually bones, nobody right. ever actually drinks heavily or is like visibly drunk. Nobody gets actually violently murdered until the Hayes Codes are canceled. That's a good point because you can tell that they want to do it. Like uh -huh. You can tell that those guys are supposed to be holding yeah, a drink. want to do murder. Yeah. And many consider this the first film noir. A bit about Malta. Heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> like once. Okay. It is an archipelago. Oh. What is that? It's a series of islands. Okay. And my favorite word. Fun fact. It is an archipelago between Sicily and the North African coast. And in 1530, the islands were given to the Order of St. John, which then ruled them as a vassal state of Sicily. Charles V of Spain, who we hear about in the movie, did this. He gave these islands to this order to protect the Roman Empire from the Ottoman Empire because Spain was worried that if Rome fell, then the Roman Empire would fall and Christianity, which was spreading across the empire, would dissipate. Mm. This Order of St. John, I think this is right, was also known as, or it was like comprised of the Knights Hospitallers, <laughs> which is similar to the Knights Templar, but it's not actually the same. And they say it's the Knights Templar in the movie, and that's because they didn't have Google and they, they were wrong. When the island was given over, it became the permanent quarters for the Knights Hospitallers, <laughs> mm. Hospitallers. And they became known as the Knights of Malta. The isle was provided in exchange for an annual fee of one Maltese falcon. Oh, no. Uh-huh. What? Uh-huh. Okay, this just got very cool. Uh-huh. Sent on All Souls Day to the king's representative, who often was the viceroy of Sicily, and it was an actual bird, a living peregrine falcon. No. And they would be like, here's your bird for the year. Thank you for the land. Wait, why did they See want next that? time. I don't know. Did this king love birds? Here's the thing is I don't know and I actually don't care. I am content with that being the fact. I absolutely need to find out why they need why they demanded a yearly bird. <laughs> Annual bird. <laughs> to give us our bird, please. Time for the bird tax. Where's my bird? 
The Maltese Falcon prop in the film. Yeah. That we see at the end, the statue. The story about it, arguably more interesting than the movie. <gasps> Please do tell. It is believed to be based on the Knipphausen hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Those are so many consonants I did not expect to come out of your mouth. Just That's now. German. Which was a ceremonial pouring vessel made in 1697 for Georg Wilhelm von Knipphausen, <laughs> who was the Count of the Holy Roman Empire. And I googled it, and that hawk is unfortunately way cooler looking than the stupid bird prop oh, from really? the movie. The Knipphausen hawk slaps. It is a banger. It's covered in like rubies and jewels, and it's got its wings spread. It looks dope as hell. They kind of talked about this, like that's what this one was. 100%. 100%. But it's really just sort of a... It's a stupid little bird. It's just sort of a... Yeah. It's so dumb. <laughs> this little sculpture mm -hmm. was lost for decades after the movie. The actual... The prop from the film. What? Lost for decades after the film. It resurfaced in the 1980s, belonging to a Beverly Hills oral surgeon. Then in 1991, that surgeon-owned uh -huh. falcon traveled the world with a Warner Brothers retrospective. It went to the Centre Pompidou in Paris. It went to MoMA in NYC. And in 2013, Steve Wynn of the Wynn Vegas uh, Hotel Casino place oh. bought the little bird for $4.1 million, which is so <laughs> stupid. Uh, like, after seeing this movie, it is insane that people freaked out over this bird. It's so dumb. Here's where it gets crazy. There is more than one bird prop statue from the film, but nobody knows which one is the real one. Two replicas, perhaps originals, were owned by a Santa Cruz tech guy whose name I don't care about. They were confirmed as legitimate by a woman named Meta Wild, who was William Faulkner's mistress for 18 years <gasps> and served as the script supervisor on over 200 films, including the 1941 Maltese Falcon. She was responsible for props continuity in the film, which mm -hmm. is why she could be seen as an authority on if this is a legit prop. So, so far now we have three birds in play. One is the one that was owned by the oral surgeon, mm -hmm. and two are the ones that were owned by the tech guy who the props continuity woman verified. Right. The oral surgeon's one weighed 47 pounds. The tech guy's two weighed six pounds each. And the props supervisor woman said that it couldn't possibly be the oral surgeon's bird because if it was 47 pounds, she couldn't have been carrying it around set, nor could Humphrey Bogart, which is very funny. <laughs> A big point of contention is that there was a 1975 parody of the Maltese Falcon called the Blackbird. <laughs> and for that, they made replicas of the little statuette oh. for that movie. And so a lot of people are like, well, maybe yours is not from the 1941 film. Maybe it's from the 1975 parody, in which case it's stupid. and We don't care as much about it. Mm. There is a very interesting Vanity Fair piece about this ongoing mystery, which is from 2016. And it's called The Mystery of the Maltese Falcon, one of the most valuable movie props in history. And by the end of it, what they have figured out is it seems like there were maybe originally six props made for the 1941 film. Huh. One of which was like destroyed in some sort of like fire, of course, or something. <laughs> there were so many fires. I know. <laughs> Two of which they think ended up with the tech guy. A third of which he bought and then sold to someone else. There was one that was owned by an actor called William Conrad, and it was gifted to him by Jack Warner of Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And so they think that one was definitely legit. And that one is called the Conrad Falcon. 
which was given to Conrad by Jack Warner in the 1960s, which is also how they know it's not from the parody because that was in the, the 70s later. According to a lot of people that the author spoke to at Warner Brothers, many old timers at the studio believe that the surgeon's falcon is the one that was used in the 1941 film because there was a report out during the shooting of the movie that at one point the bird was dropped on Humphrey Bogart's foot and bruised two of his toes. And when that happened, the tail feathers on the bird got bent and the surgeon's bird has some bent tail feathers as well. But the tech guys, two birds, have these little initials on them, which they originally thought were the the numerals seven and five. And they were like, oh, maybe it's the 75 parody. But they later found out when the internet came about that the artist who designed the prop for the 1941 film was a friend of the director's whose name was Fred Sexton, whose initials are FS. And so the inscription on the bird that he has is not, in fact, the numeral seven, five. It is, in fact, the initials FS. So that's where it seems like maybe his two birds are the birds from the original movie. But because it was so long ago, and because there aren't any official props records from the time uh it's still in existence, nobody today knows which of the existing Maltese falcons are the ones from that movie. Wow. It's very stupid. Like, it doesn't matter, which is what's beautiful about it. It's just two men being like, my bird is the best bird. (laughs) Your bird is the worst bird. My bird is real, and your bird is stupid. (laughs) I love it. It's just men with too much money and too much time on their hands saying, my bird is the best. Have you lost an object that's either six or maybe 47 pounds in width? No. Wait. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Mm-hmm. Let's get into our next segment, shall we? Yeah. If you'd like to lead us into it. Kaka! Thank you very much. Thank next you. is our segment, Phone Notes. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Sienna, the first thing you've written down. Yes, absolutely. Hey, boss, we got a really hot client here for you. <laughs> Did you notice that basically the first 100%. thing his horny secretary does is she comes in and she's like, hey, bogey, you're going to want to get a load of this lady. She's a knockout. It sucked. This movie sucked. <laughs> that was a 1940s version of a guy's girl. <laughs> So, Liana, you confirm with one of your first notes. So, this is a film about (laughs) looking for a bird statue. (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. (laughs) So dumb. Also, the on-screen text at the beginning, I am so sorry for you. That was crazy. I said aloud, oh, (laughs) I know. You're like, oh, this is the movie starting. This isn't the next production company. These are the words. Oh, they're talking about the Knights Templar. Oh, that's wrong. And it went too quick. It went so, I didn't even read all of it. I was like, wait, whoa, 1539. I thought this was a film noir. What is happening? People read a lot faster back then. It was an insane historical context to give for a movie that's not an Indiana Jones style adventure tale. (laughs) For them to not follow up about the Knights Templar the Knights at any point in the movie. <laughs> Back when the Knights Templar had the, the falcons full of jewels. Uh, oh, were there supposed to be jewels in it? They mentioned jewels. And then that little bird was just a little black statue. If you scroll to my very last note. I'll do that. <laughs> Liana says her very last note, and this is very funny, <laughs> is... Very funny, dramatic irony is I wanted to see a sparkly bird. I thought we would see a sparkly bird. They really mentioned jewels. They were like, oh, my God, this bird is gorgeous. Just wait until you see this bird. She is so sparkly. And I was like, yes, if nothing else, we will get a sparkly little bird. Okay. another crazy thing about this film is that they like punch each other a lot. (laughs) Hard. Like, there's Fatally almost. so much fighting. Like, they fight like children. They solve problems by like. And it feels weird because they're like in business settings. I've never. (laughs) This is one of the, maybe it's just a thing with Humphrey Bogart, but I yell at my screen in the movies that he is in. Like in Casablanca, when the woman was like, "Mm, what do we do now? It's all in your hands. I can't make decisions anymore. I was like, no, boo, come on. And in this one, it was when Humphrey Bogart kept giving the guns back to the people who he just (laughs) confiscated the guns from. 
<laughs> old films like they didn't like move the camera around that much so like they didn't know how to make things that cool so like instead they have to figure out what they can do just like in this one shot so they're like okay so then he gives the gun back to him and the guy who just got the gun given back to him pulls it on the guy who just gave it back and we're like well well of course he did of course he did that's why you took it away from him in the f- why would you hand it back to him what did you think was gonna happen is this suspense you've written thursby <laughs> i'm sorry i actually can't get through his name Thursby is such a dumb name. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, I'm sorry, this is such a silly name. And now I'm saying it out loud for the first time and I am correct. Thursby sounds hot, like really hot. You've written down? Yes. Okay, so Thursby, this woman who ends up being the woman, um, she comes in and she's like, I need you to find this man. This is when... Uh, Bogey gets roped in is because he yes. has to first find scene yes. of the film. He's supposed to find a man named Thursby. <laughs> it's such a funny <laughs> name. This, this movie starts with a Thursby and it ends with a, just an inconsequential black bird statue. It is insane. So they they describe Thursby and they're like, "Yeah, you're gonna find him. He has dark hair and bushy eyebrows." And I was like, oh. "That is my type." Uh-huh. I'm so excited to see Thursby. And I was so excited and also so confused about what was happening. <laughs> 100% same, yeah. That about halfway through the film, I was like, where is hot Thursby? But he was long dead. Long dead. Yeah. He dies within minutes of that first <laughs> scene and you never see him. Yes. Mm. Um, Thursby. It sounds like a kid learning to speak who's trying to express that they have a need for water. Yeah. Thursby. Oh, I'm so Thursby. Mom. <laughs> Really dehydrated. <laughs> I need wobber. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, Thursby dies. We never see him. We never see him. No. He sounded so hot. I and guess. also, uh-huh. his partner dies immediately. Instantly. And you picked up on the fact that that guy sucked, which I honestly didn't. Really? Because in my head, everybody sucked. Like, yeah. Bogart didn't seem any better than that guy. So when that guy died, I was like, okay. Yeah, I kind of, for the same reason, I felt like, oh, good, thank God, one of them is gone. <laughs> Another character. keep track of one. Out of here. Yeah. I have a theory okay. that Humphrey Bogart is not good at acting. <laughs> okay. I really noticed, I thought about you a bit, because one you. thing I really noticed in this movie mm-hmm. that I don't think I noticed in other bogey movies, mm. and I've seen about two. <laughs> I've never had to look at Humphrey Bogart's teeth so much. Wow. And it was not a thing I liked. It's because he kept smiling and laughing in a very weird way. He kept doing evil smiles. Two men in this movie would just laugh at any opportunity. And I said, what? Who was the other one? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I enjoyed any moment of this film. You know what I thought about this film mm. was it made me feel nothing at all. <laughs> like I didn't, that's one reason like I didn't really like it very much is I didn't have any emotions. Like some of the other films that have been hard to watch or that I didn't like, like mm. the reason I could validate any part of like the art it was trying to put out was like, it made me feel something. Yeah. But this no. one, it just felt, you know. Oh, it's because the people who die, you just met. So you don't have any emotional yeah. attachment to them. And then everybody else who gets, like, put away or or sent to the police, they've, like, technically been the bad guys. And then Humphrey Bogart has the emotional spectrum of, like, a baby carrot. And so it's there's be- nothing there. It's between stoic and evil laugh, apparently. Yeah. Evil little chortle. 
I will say I did appreciate that hat. I that did was too. a film noir hat if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Mm. They they delivered in the costume category in mm. terms of noir, mm-hmm. giving us noir. Yeah. Like they were really full on trench coat hat. Like that's where this came from for sure. Yeah. There was a scene where like three white guys were all in trench coats and hats and I wasn't sure which one I was supposed to be looking at. <laughs> I got really stressed. <laughs> <laughs> Liana says every sentence he says doesn't sound like words it, at a certain point it just became like okay give me a series of, of words that it's like when put together it's nonsense okay um foxtrot frisbee cookie platter foxtrot frisbee cookie platter this is how every line in the film sounded to me foxtrot frisbee cookie platter huh? <laughs> and they would say that and I was like what <laughs> That completely could have been something. Uh-huh. And if you Googled all those terms, it could have meant like a woman sitting in a chair gets shot. <laughs> Sienna, you've written Archer's Widow is throwing ass right out the gate. I was shocked when they kissed right on the mouth. I had to make sure. I was like, is this actually his widow? It wasn't until she put her veil down at the end that I was like, okay. I said, whoa. So Bogey's partner, who of course died very mm-hmm. quickly, his widow enters the chat. The, the chat. <laughs> Very briefly, just to come in and be like, so did you, did you kill my husband? And Bogey's like, what? No, woman. And she's like, well, I thought you said that if he wasn't around, that it'd be you and me, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, wait, what do you want? Do you want me to have killed your husband so that we can get married? Or I think she did. Yeah, I think so. I think it's time we talk about Please. the woman in this film. The woman. I think I said one time, actually, look up actress in my notes. I feel horrible saying this, but... I'm not sure this actress is a star. She was like, fine. Again, didn't seem like a huge star. Didn't seem like they were trying to get a huge star for this role. But on top of that, like, they didn't have that much chemistry. Not at all. Not Not at at all. all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Nary an iota. One reason that this was different than Casablanca in this way Casablanca. is they A, didn't get like a huge star and didn't like work on the chemistry or direct it like to have chemistry or something. Uh Uh-huh. But also, like, in Casablanca, one thing I can give it is it had that problematic flashback when they talked about how they, they met when she was, like, the heck out of that relationship. But they were like, we met before, mm-hmm. we went to Paris, it was super romantic, mm-hmm. this is why we love each other. So much champagne. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was a love story. This one, I did not know they were at all, quote unquote, in love. I'll say it now. I think this movie cannot possibly hold up in an age where we are aware of... The fact that a movie can be fun, like Indiana Jones or National Treasure. Because as soon as you say, it was 1530 and a cool bird statue was handed over and then it was lost for centuries. Where is it now? And you don't make that a fun, rollicking, fun for the whole family Disney Plus adventure film. You're so right. What are you doing? There was no adventuring. Not at all. Guys, No, they didn't even search in interesting places for a bird. They talked about who might know where it is. <laughs> And then the bird got delivered to Humphrey Bogart yeah, by a then, dying man. And then they were wrong. <laughs> there was no like watching people do interesting mental arithmetic to no. find out where the bird could be. Somebody just showed up and literally handed it to this white man. And then he did an unboxing video. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, Liana, here you have written an unboxing bit. <laughs> Are you talking about that scene where he rips? Yeah, well, I thought it was going to happen earlier when the package is originally delivered to him before he coat checks it. Um, But then he got distracted or somebody died or something. But I thought he was going to be like, 
I just, it would be so fun if, if Humphrey Bogart turned to camera and said, hey, followers, <laughs> What's my welcome bag? back to my channel. <laughs> Get ready with me. <laughs> Today we are unboxing and then he holds it up and he like holds his hand behind it to show the logo. He's like, it is um, a Maltese item. It's from Malta and oh, I was hand delivered. Um, it's really heavy. Too heavy for me to pick up. Yeah, very heavy. Bruised my toenail. Maybe six pounds could be 47 pounds. Somewhere between six and 47 pounds. We can't know. Should we talk about the scene where people keep slapping each other? <laughs> this is how the whole movie felt the whole time. It was just somebody slapped someone and you were like, whoa. And then somebody else slapped somebody else and you were like, what? Huh? Uh, that's the scene where Humphrey Bogart slaps Igor's bow tie three times. <laughs> Did you notice that? I was, I think I was looking away at that point. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> also, what's the line he says? Hold on. I have to... You said, when you're slapped, you'll take it and like it. <laughs> That's such a rude thing to I say. I missed that entirely. It's also weirdly blocked as a scene goes. Sorry, yeah. theater term. Um, they're like, they're the, back to camera. She like is in a chair. The small man is standing, but very small. And then she stands. So then at a certain moment in her standing, she is his height. And I think it's like right in that sweet spot that she slaps him before she gets all the way up to standing. I hated this scene. It was uh, weird. It's somehow the scene was so boring, even though it was all slapped. I know. So she slaps him. Guys, here's exactly what happens. Actually, this is a very important scene. She yeah. slaps him while standing, as you said, <laughs> sort of mid-stand. She slaps Igor. Uh -huh. Igor's like, hey. <laughs> and then he's like, don't slap me. Humphrey Bogart comes up to him, kind of in between both of them. So he has to stand really close to Igor. He says, you, when you get slapped, you'll take it and you'll like it. Which is like, that is what? so rude and untrue. Yeah. People don't like getting slapped. And then he proceeds to slap Igor three times. But he slaps him right in the bow tie. <laughs> I went back to check. Does not even come close to his face. Right in the bow tie. Oh, <laughs> my bow tie. Ow. I guess and that was like a haze coat. Like you couldn't actually <laughs> slap people. One, if if a slap is to be deli delivered, yeah, it must be delivered upon <laughs> the neck accessory nearest the actor's face. Okay, and then in that same scene, after all the slapping happens, this is why I hated this scene, is then the cops come in, the two cops who look identical. I could not tell you which was which. Everybody in the scene who had just slapped each other tried to explain what had happened, <laughs> and they tried to explain the slaps. They give different stories. <laughs> And then they're like, Bogey, why don't you just tell us? Because you're the only one we're going to believe. And then he explains. It was just a scene of explaining, explaining, explaining. But what he explains is like, oh, the reason all of our stories were scattered and why we all look super guilty right now is because we were doing a prank. That, all of that, my boys in blue, was a prank. He does. And you'll believe me because I'm Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Literally more than one character gets out of a, a sticky situation by being like, sorry, everyone, I was just doing a prank. <laughs> That's on me. But didn't we all have fun? Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> you said, this boy has a high nose and low eyes. Was that the boy? Wilmer. Yeah. Wilmer had a very high nose and very low eyes. I honestly, for a lot of the dialogue, I felt like I couldn't hear. Wilmer, I felt like I couldn't see. I was like, who? where am I... What am yeah. I supposed to be looking at right now? He gets introduced sort of late, too, and you're like, this is a character now? He was also in gray, so he kind of matched the whole rest of the film. That was kind of, like, supposed to be his character, too, where they're like, Wilmer, no, 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 you're not going to matter. You're going to be the one that we throw under the bus. Uh, it is hard for me to express how much I do love Mr. Yardley. Like, once he did enter, it's not that the movie was more interesting, but I just felt less angry at it. Mm. That finally, because you can also tell that he's an actor. Like, he has... Yes. He has... <laughs> 
solidified his character. He's <laughs> going to be delivering something. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite line of his? Yes, please. This is in the last scene or towards the last scene when they decide that the boy is going to be the fall guy. Mm-hmm. He says, if you lose a son, it's possible to get another. There's only one Maltese falcon. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> That's not how family works. <laughs> yeah, that's not possible. No one's like, oh, well, my son died, but at least I can get another son. Thank God it wasn't my stupid little bird sculpture. I mean, maybe he's like an active foster parent. Like, <laughs> that's cool, I guess. Who keeps losing children? He also tosses them aside. For- oh, no. Yeah, because he was Where's like- the bird? <laughs> Where's the bird? Well, the boys are gone, but I- is the bird safe? I've been trying to adopt a bird. Are you Thursby? <laughs> we'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
And now it is time for Badges and Tragedies, where we award the film <laughs> a Kniphausen Hawk for things we think it did well, and a Maltese Falcon for things that we felt fell flat. I have a badge for the way this woman said gardenia. <laughs> the horny assistant at some point was like, gardenia? I mean, it was not like that at all, <laughs> but I can't remember how it sounded. And it had that energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a badge for, I really love when people hold landline phones. One thing I'm not going to be able to include, but I think it's starting to be like a kink of mine or like like a fetish. Is that phones? a like, Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm seeing a character hold an old phone. Speak like, more on that. <laughs> not because like it's like what's getting me there as much as like the way that like I want to see it so badly. And then I'm like emotionally satisfied. From yeah. It, I'm like, yes. Yeah. I find That's... myself being like, yeah, hold that phone. <laughs> I was Unfortunately, like, we have to keep this. That's so funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have a badge for there was a horse in this film. <laughs> the picture in the background? No. There were two horses <laughs> in this film. <laughs> the one I noticed was in Bogey's house. He for some reason had like an unframed image of a horse yes! on his mantle. Oh, Which one did you see? There was a little horse statue behind Mr. Yardley when he was doing his monologue about the history of the Maltese Falcon. And I thought, oh, the Maltese horse. <laughs> I don't know if this is the time to mention the boobs in the film. Have you noticed them? There was actually like an astonishing number of background like painting boobs. No. Two to three. Nor. Which like these old films don't usually have unnecessary boobs. So like in her home, there was a painting with boobs in it. That's and then shocking. He, I think in Mr. Yardley's home, there was like a statue of a woman with the boobs. No. It, it was strange. I couldn't believe. I know that some of you may think that this is kind of like we're doing overkill, but this is actually a very interesting study, anthropological study, if you will, about humans, that boobs and <laughs> horses are so prevalent in our existence. Yeah. What is it about the boob and the horse and like, that you know humans what? feel a need to be nearby them at all times? Freaking cool it. Oh, I got a badge for a woman owning her flaws. This is when Aww. Bogey says... You are a liar. And Ms. O'Shaughnessy <laughs> says, I am. I've always been a liar. Yeah. I did like that. And when he was like, how much of that was true? And she was like, mm, a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> it was but most very... of it was a lie. I have a badge for everyone taking a nap. This is before they get the bird. He's like, hey, assistant, um, I left a bird at a coat check and I need you to go get her. And I know it's your day off and you want to die. But sorry, you have to go get a bird and bring it to me. Okay, bye. And she does. And then they unbox it. But while they're waiting for her to go get the bird, everybody takes a nap. That was cute. And I literally during that same scene had fallen asleep and I was awakened by the bird reveal because there was a very no. shrill musical <laughs> twang. And I was like, oh, and I woke up to the dumbest bird in cinematic history. She was actually identifying so strongly with these characters that she entered <laughs> the movie itself. I was she, method watching. She method watched. <laughs> And I will say, I once I had eaten breakfast, I rewound and I watched the scene that I had missed. Oh, wonderful. Mm. But waking up to a very dumb bird is exactly what these guys did. Yeah. Very, uh, very real. Yeah. I have a badge for characters like Mr. Yardley and Bogey and Igor. <laughs> Three of the main characters. <laughs> yeah. Like for, for having character actors. Ah. That's something. Yeah. That yeah. I like. Yeah. My final badge is for the line, you don't love me. <laughs> Which is what Bridget O'Shaughnessy says at some point in the end, their ending interaction. But it felt very Norma Desmond. Oh. Like, you don't love me? me? What? What are you talking about? I have a badge for tiny guns. Oh, of course. That we always love. Absolutely. And my final most important badge. I loved everything Mr. Yardley says. I just love how he talks. But specifically, my takeaway line is, 
Mr. Yardley going, lot of dough. <laughs> Goodman Gogurt, Mr. Yardley, mm. offers Humphrey Bogart $25,000 for oh, this yeah. bird, which is so much money at the time. I don't know the calculation. But Bogey goes, that's a lot of dough. And Mr. Yardley responds, lot of dough. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of dough. He, I like to imagine, he actually was giving Humphrey Bogart a note in that moment because he had come from the theater. Yeah. And he said, it on the stage, this is how we would say it. You must enunciate and project a lot of dough. Let us move on to tragedies. Okay. I only have one. Oh, wow. <laughs> because the whole rest of it, I was like, whatever. I was asleep. But my tragedies is, is actually a package trage. Okay. It's a trage pack. Like, the first phone call that Humphrey makes on his apparently old phone to apparently demonstrate that he's apparently poor, he speaks to a woman, and it is three different things that he says. So I have a trage for, listen, precious, and I have a trage for, don't get excited, and I have a trage for, that's a good girl. Whoa. I was going to say good girl. Yeah! That sucked. It's so tiring to see women be infantilized infantilized and extinguished in so many ways for just reacting to a situation. I have several tragedies, but my main one, my big one was saying good girl, which he said like three or four times throughout the movie and was his general energy to the women in the movie. Mm -hmm. It just sucks. Mm -hmm. It is so condescending. We still get called girls. Yeah, in, and Today. in the workplace specifically, it's just like, mm-hmm. you didn't need to do that. Mm-mm. She did everything right for you. Can't mm-hmm. you just be like, thanks? <laughs> yeah. That's it. Ugh, I hated that so much. A demon just came out of sea. <laughs> Thank you for that, Traj. I completely agree. Thank you. Okay, I have a few more Trages, however. Yeah, um, let's do it. My second Traj is not very good. Not very good. <laughs> His film wasn't very good. No. Uh, my next trage is for Bogey's teeth. I cannot convey how many times he does a creepy smile and how shocked I was. He had more teeth than I ever could have imagined. <laughs> I don't know if I was imagining one smooth tooth, but whatever he had was too many. Many actors today basically have one smooth tooth. <laughs> and let's keep it that way. I wonder if this was the first and last time in cinematic history that you saw any of Humphrey Bogart's teeth. I bet afterwards everybody was like, all right, my guy, you got to put those teeth away. <laughs> that is not working. For Casablanca? One centimeter at most. Keep that lip down. (laughs) (laughs) I got a trudge for indecipherable noir speak. And I got a trudge for the scene where they're talking about who punched whom. (laughs) That scene was so boring. The one where they were like, oh, it's just a prank. Yeah. Yeah. When the cops show up and Igor is there and they slap each other and they're all like, she slapped me. He slapped me. I also. It was so boring. (laughs) I'll give a trudge as well for like the cops being sort of. The guy's friend, like, I got a trash for cops. <laughs> Let's move on. And I'm going to say now, caca, first of all. Second, I have no idea how I'm going to do this segment. I have no thoughts on how to pretend you've seen this film. Because I watched it and I couldn't tell you a thing. This is for you are on the Indiana Jones ride. Oh, yes. And single rider and... <laughs> Fast pass, single rider, so that nobody will talk to you. Right. Yet somehow. Falcon. (laughs) Falcon gets onto the ride next to you. He works there and gets on during his break. And 
He says, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I love a story about trying to find something legendary. Lost artifact. You know my favorite version of that? Oh, it's a noir. It's called the Maltese Falcon. And guess what? We have the whole ride to talk about it. (laughs) And in order to stop Falcon from crowing at you, here are a few sentences you can say to pretend you've seen the film, The Maltese Falcon. Okay, 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 okay. This is a call and response. Yeah, Falcon, I've seen The Maltese Falcon, and um, I patterned my whole emotional range off of Humphrey Bogart in that film. Say anything to me, and I'll react sincerely. Do you... Do you like dogs? <laughs> that was such a good impression. I give you dogs, too. I know. It's the best acting I've ever done. My hardest role. <laughs> yeah, Falcon, I have seen that film, so keep your hands inside the ride and <laughs> your words inside your mouth. Because it was maybe considered the first film noir. And let me tell you, it shows. <laughs> Oh, Falcon, you seem a little bit worried. Why is that? Oh, you've lost your son in the Disneyland park? Well, if you lose a son, it's possible to get another. There's only one Maltese Falcon. Kaka! Oh, it's really loud in here, Falcon, and I don't want to hear anything you have to say about the movie. It sounds like you just asked how they make the pretzels at Disneyland. <laughs> Do you know that? No, oh. I'll tell you. Lot of dough. <laughs> Speaking of a lot of dough, mm-hmm. now we will save you time and possibly money. Time is money Ooh. with oh. our segment. Should you watch this or in which we tell you if we think you should watch this film or if you should flipping do something else with your dough. I would say no dough. A deer, a female You don't need to watch this movie. What you could do instead. Oh, my God, please. I really want to watch Indiana Jones now. And I, I know. I know that those films have not aged well, but they're so fun and they do tap into history. Obviously, National Treasure, of course, which we recently spoke about on our mini pop with Karen Chi. Check Check, it out. Check them out. Just rewatch National Treasure. You know what? It is so good. Write, sign my petition for there to be a National Treasure 3 and for them to actually execute it because that was going to be great as hell. The Book of Secrets? Are you kidding? (laughs) The President's Book? What's on page 46? God damn. That is such a good suggestion because, like you said, this really should be an adventure film. 100%. Literally, if this had been a Nick Cage version of this film, the Maltese Falcon, where is she? I'm going to steal the Falcon of Malta. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great wreck. So for me, no, you actually don't have to watch this movie. Yeah. And again, I'm disappointed. I like noirs. Mm. They're some of the white male movies that come up on this film that I'm like, oh, at least that'll be something fun. (laughs) This one was disappointing. Yeah. This is a disappointing experience. You don't have to watch it. There's not much in there. One thing that I really took away from this experience watching this is that people are slapping each other around so much more than I expected. (laughs) But somehow it's not fun or like exciting. Yeah. So I think instead you could watch a Jackie Chan film. Oh. Any Jackie Chan film. I really love those. Yeah. They're so dumb and fun and Watching people be really good at fight choreography is really mm-hmm. fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Very also, hot, too. Very hot. Very hot. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. When a man learns choreography, I'll say it every time I can. It's incredibly hot. It really is. Kaka! Liana, 
What would you give this film? I'm going to give this film 0.5 Knipphausen Hawks <laughs> out of five. And that is a stretch, but I, I, the ones that I've given zero to are when like a man needs to be punished for like totally. causing harm. And this one, I'm, I am confident that some men involved in this were not awesome, but you know, there was a sense of bird in it <laughs> and <laughs> they did tease us. They, they breadcrumbed <laughs> historical intrigue and much like the man who texts me every three months and I come running, it did a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. So 0.5 Knipphausen Hawks. Okay. Sienna, what would you rate this film? I gave it 0.5 <laughs> 0.5 <laughs> Mr. Yardley's <laughs> out, out of Oh yeah. 0.5 out of 5. What would half of a sound like? <laughs> or maybe the back half which is a I feel the same way. It didn't do harm, really. <laughs> First, do no harm. Yeah. But, like, it didn't do anything. It didn't violate the Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> I found it quite disappointing, but there were ingredients there that I like, and that's better than things I hate. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Well, we did it. <laughs> we watched The Maltese Falcon. A stupid little movie about a stupid little bird. (laughs) That is perfect review. There you go. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing an impression of Igor. Thank you, as per always, for listening to Tossed Popcorn. We are all over social media at Tossed Popcorn. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. Give us a rating. Five stars, please. And tune in next week when we will be watching. Oh, Liana, I'm so sorry. The Godfather Part (laughs) 2! Come at us, haters. We're circling back. We're circling back. (laughs) Well, see you next week. Thank you. We love you. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. Sienna, I'm going to text you a photo of the Knipphausen hawk, and you will see what all the actual hype was about. Little Here it comes. Okay. The Knipphausen hawk. <gasps> that. That is one ornate hawk. That is a bedazzled hawk. Okay, it is so embarrassing that this is what they wanted. Right? (laughs) We're going to have to do a post of like, it's going to be a perfect meme of um, him versus the man or you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about. (laughs) Versus the Or it's like you, uh, your profile picture, the photo you're tagged in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They could have gotten some fake jewels. Like, (laughs) this movie is so dumb. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.